Hey everybody, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Today we're going to be talking about tobacco, nicotine, and some tips on quitting smoking. You know, it was interesting when I was doing a lot of this research, one of the numbers I actually couldn't find was how many ship workers are currently still smoking. And I found some old data back from, you know, like 2009. I found some data from out of Norway that was older, found some data out of Japan that was older. But really, I was looking for numbers in the U.S. to show how many shift workers are currently smoking. The latest thing I could find was back from 2010, or I'm sorry, 2001, and it literally was stating that 55% of shift workers smoke compared to 39% of day shift workers that are smoking. But that's an old number. Since the early 2000s, we know how much of smoking has decreased, so those numbers aren't even viable anymore. But one of the interesting things is when I was looking at the statistics, you know, some of the latest statistics show that 70% of smokers actually want to quit and 50% actually try each year to quit. And about three out of five smokers have quit. So really the smoking rate has gone down. I think a lot of that has to do with the price of cigarettes and the education that's going on and the growing rates of cancer and heart disease and other issues going on. And I think also too, you know, COVID has really kind of made people realize how important it is to take care of our health those ongoing issues that we have that we can currently eliminate just by quitting smoking and healing our body and things like that. And also, let's not forget the rise of vaping. So I think a lot of times when these studies are done, they're not comparing cigarettes versus vaping. You might have quit cigarettes, but you might have went over to vaping. So I think a lot of that is left out. So I think the data is still a little skewed. But what I know is from going into corporate clients and going into shift work professions, the rate is definitely higher among shift workers and even higher among those on night shift or consistently rotating shift work, that those numbers even tend to be even higher than that. And I think one of the interesting things is, especially when it comes to rotating shift workers, and this was something I found that I actually wasn't really expecting, but a lot of the rotating shift workers that rotate from day shift to night shift, that the smoking isn't always static, meaning they might be smokers more on the night shift and not so much on the day because they're using smoking as a way to stay awake, as a way to stay active. So I thought that was pretty interesting, but I wanted to go through some of the tips we can do, some of the research on how we can better lay out a plan to quit smoking. I mean, if 50% of people try each year, and I should say it's 50% of adults, it's 50% of adults try quitting each year. Why are we having to try quitting each year if 70% want to quit? So there really, there seems to be a conversation that we're missing in this. And I want to have a little bit of a conversation. So one of the things I would first, you know, really kind of dig deep in, and I was a smoker for a number of years. I quit 20 some years ago. I smoked by the, when I was 13 up till I was about 22. And I was smoking about a pack of cigarettes a day. And it's interesting, a couple months ago, I went into a convenience store and the person in front of me was buying cigarettes. I had no idea how high the price of cigarettes became. I know when I quit, I think they were they were just hitting like $3.50, $4. And it was news on like it potentially hitting $5 really soon. And I was like, I think for a little bit, I've wanted to quit. And then when you're talking about $5 for me, I was like, I'm out. You know, and I found it crazy because um, 
a cheap generic pack of cigarettes was almost $13. And I looked at like Marlboro Reds or Camels. I was a Camel special smoker. They were like $17, $18, which was crazy. And I used to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day. I couldn't even imagine. I mean, if you were smoking a pack of cigarettes of generics, you're spending about $400 a month. That's a car payment. You know, that's significant. So I can understand why people are trying to quit. I mean, that is a huge cost savings just by quitting smoking. But I think a lot of times when we focus on quit smoking, we focus on all the health benefits and all of that. But I think a lot of times we forget about that impact to us emotionally, to us physically, on how we're going to manage it. And I think that's a lot of times where we fail. So we're going to have a conversation really around that today. But one of the things I would ask anybody that's thinking about quitting smoking is really understand why you are smoking. You know, and I think sometimes that really takes a moment of reflection. And I I don't think it's something that you're going to be like, oh my God, I smoke because of X, Y, and Z. I think it's a buildup of things over over time. You know, when we think about what's happening when we're smoking, you know, it's more than just having a cigarette. You know, a lot of us, if you work in an office or any kind of facility, right, smoking is a way to step away. It's a lot easier, I think, sometimes to say, hey, I'm going to go take a smoke break than say, hey, I'm just going to take a five minute break just to unwind a moment. I see it easier for somebody given the smoke break than just somebody saying, I want a five minute break. But that's essentially what it is. You know, you're getting that moment to take a break, step outside, depending where you work, you might not be outside all day. So even getting five minutes of sunlight in your eyes, we know what that does for our mental health. So when you're going out a couple times a day, let's say you're going out three, four, five times a day for a smoke break, that's, you know, 20, 30 minutes of sunlight in your eyes that you might not be getting otherwise, or just even getting out in the fresh air. So that's really important when we think about that, you know, and also think about the act of smoking. How many times does a non-smoker take a deep breath in every day? Not very often. But when you look at a smoker, they're taking, you know, seven or eight deep breaths in every one to two hours. That's significant. Now, granted, you're inhaling toxic chemicals and things like that. So that doesn't do you so good. But just that act of inhaling, We know that act of deep breathing just naturally relaxes our body. So that act of smoking, you know, we have the nicotine, right? That's a stimulant and it helps release dopamine. So you have that euphoric good feeling. And then you have that euphoric good feeling just because you're deep breathing. So it's kind of like a double whammy at that instance, you know, and also smoking a lot of times is social. You might be going out with a coworker, you might be meeting a coworker out there. You know, there is that social aspect that not all the time, if you're not smoking, are you getting? And, you know, especially shift workers, how many shift workers are smoking simply to stay awake? And I think this is probably one of the biggest points that are missed because I can't tell you how many times I have talked to somebody and they smoke to stay awake. And it's not only just those that work in manufacturing or not involved in healthcare. I can't tell you how many doctors and nurses are smoking because of stress and to stay awake on those third shifts, those swing shifts, or maybe a very long shift that's really busy. You know, all of this comes into why we're smoking. And that's really where we need to 
understand because we're going to enter a plan to quit smoking and be successful and effective at it. We really have to understand why we're smoking, what we're enjoying about it. And that really, you know, that joy factor, why we enjoy smoking. Now, maybe you really don't enjoy smoking, but there has to be something that you like about smoking. Maybe it gives you time to breathe. Maybe it's stepping away. Maybe it's, you know, you have, you only talk to this one coworker when you go out for a cigarette. There has to be something. And this is another question I really want you to dig down deep in and find out what you enjoy about smoking because there's something there, right? And then you can compare it to if you rather put a good versus bad list, you can say what you don't like about smoking because this a lot of times, a lot of times when we do an, an activity like this, that what we don't like about smoking is a lot bigger than what we do like about smoking. And when we visually see things and we really are taking it in, sometimes it's a lot easier to handle when we're dealing with that. That's one of the secrets of behavioral change, right? is, you know, putting those columns in good versus bad because it allows us to see things that we normally wouldn't see, you know, and we have to kind of talk about tobacco and nicotine. You know, I know a lot of times smokers will tell me, well, it's always been used as medicinal, as health. We got to, first of all, let's, (laughs) let's talk about the difference of tobacco. The tobacco that Native Americans smoke and the tobacco that we are smoking in 2023 is wildly different, right? It's not even the same, you know, and a lot of times too, you know, yeah, tobacco has a rich history of being used through multiple cultures, right? You know, Christopher Columbus actually noted that when he went to, I forget where it was, but they would actually use tobacco as a disinfectant. So when things would come in or boats would come in, they would burn tobacco leaves to really disinfect. And tobacco in herbology has been used to treat, you know, um, intestinal worms and skin issues and, you know, it has great laxative effect. This is also why we find a lot of people first thing in the morning, you have that cup of coffee, you have that cigarette and you're emptying your bowels. It's because both coffee and nicotine really kind of get your bowels moving. So that's a thing that a lot of people, when they quit smoking, all of a sudden they're bloated, they're not having regular movements. And it's because that tobacco was actually, it had that laxative effect on it that you are now not experiencing. So it's things like this that we all have to think of when we're pulling together that that plan to quit smoking. You know, and we have to really remember nicotine increases dopamine. So we know dopamine is that happy chemical in our brain. Nicotine is going to make you feel that. When you take that out, your body is going to be lacking dopamine. So you really have to figure out what else can give us dopamine. So let's talk about what other things can give us dopamine. Well, something like going to the gym, that releases uh, dopamine. Having sex, going shopping, you know, even like smelling homemade cookies. These are all things that can release dopamine. There's some research showing that cold therapy can release dopamine. So there's other ways that we can release dopamine than having a cigarette. You know, we could look at food. Food is another one that actually, so food, we want food that are higher in tyrosine. Tyrosine is a chemical that helps us release dopamine. So foods that are high in this would be something like poultry and dairy, avocado 
avocados, bananas, pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds, you know, and even soy. So if we're eating better and we're eating foods that are higher in dopamine, if we're focusing on activities that help build dopamine, that's going to help us, you know, replace that dopamine that we're not getting from cigarettes. But that's, again, only one part. Now there is the whole thing with nicotine being addictive and nicotine withdrawals. And I think this is why when you look at a lot of the smoking cessation programs, they deal they deal with it on a few ends. They deal with it on the medication end. So are you going to take a medication? Are you going to do a nicotine patch, nicotine gum? You know, what are we doing on that kind of end? They are dealing with the counseling end of dealing with those changes. Maybe smoking was a way to manage stress and now you have to figure out how to manage stress without smoking. And then there's the accountability part. Um, a lot of times there's tech, you know, they'll send messages or apps and things like that that keep you accountable and keep you on track. But as you can see, when you're doing a smoking cessation program, it's multifaceted. It's not just, okay, I'm going to do the nicotine patch or I'm just going to do this. And I think this is where sometimes we fail. We try one area, but we're not looking at the other areas that also need support. And I think this is one of the reasons why we see smoking cessation programs being so much more successful because it deals with on the medication end. And let's just talk about medication for a minute. I know a lot of people, they get turned off by taking medication to quit smoking. We have to remember this medication is just temporary. It's just to help you out. It's not something that you're going to be taking forever. You know, it just makes it easier. So why work harder when you can have something that's just going to help you a little bit as you navigate through this? Because there's so much more to navigate. You know, I know years ago when I quit smoking, I tried cold turkey. I was not good with cold turkey. And I went and I used the nicotine patch. And I actually only had the patch on for, I think, one or two weeks. It wasn't very long because I actually found out it made me feel jittery. So I actually stopped the patch. And by that end, I was kind of over a lot of it and I was able to manage it in other ways. I know my husband, at the time we were dating, he went cold turkey. Um, but his method was he liked that burning sensation in his throat. So he actually started drinking a lot of coffee. Now kind of swapped one addiction for the other. And then years later on, he had to address the coffee issue. But that was his method. And I don't think any method is wrong if it helps you. I know there's a lot of people that are going down the e-cigarette end of it. And listen, if that helps you, but you got to remember, you got to wean off of that too, because you're still taking in that nicotine and that nicotine is a toxin. Yes, it will do some of these good things, but on higher doses, it becomes a toxin. We figure out, we use nicotine in weed killers and insect repellents and stuff like that. So it's not really something you necessarily want to be taking in on a regular basis. You know, so this is where I think when we come to building that plan, we want to address a few ends. We want to address why we're smoking. We want to address what we like about smoking. Because the reason why we need to address those parts, we need to figure out how to replace them. You know, if you're smoking because you like getting outside or you like the social aspect, you have to replace that somewhere else and you're eventually, or you're going to miss it and you're eventually going to go back to what you know was working, which was smoking. The next thing we want to do is look at that dopamine. We know taking the cigarettes out, we're going to reduce our dopamine. How else are we going to replace it? I know for a lot of people, a lot of people that start quitting smoking, they actually go to exercise. We're doing this to be healthy. Exercise is healthy. Therefore, it's an easier transition. We need to be mindful of that. Food, we could use food to help boost dopamine. And you see a lot of these foods are fairly healthy. Avocados, bananas, pumpkin seeds. These are all poultry. It's all great things that we can easily add in to help 
make us healthier if that is what our ultimate goal is. And actually, I want to go back there for a second because we have to know why we want to quit smoking. And this is probably one of the biggest things we need to realize is why we want to quit smoking. And I really urge you when you're thinking about why you want to quit smoking, what we really want to focus on is intrinsically, meaning internally, why do we want to quit smoking? One of the biggest ways of not succeeding I have found in certain things is when we lean on extrinsic motivation, meaning external motivation, meaning I want to quit smoking because my wife wants me to quit smoking. That is the biggest way to fail. You know, there's going to be one day your wife's going to say something, she's going to piss you off and you're going to be right back down on the cigarettes because, well, screw her, you pissed me off. Why am I trying to be with you longer? So we don't want that kind of mindset. We want the mindset of I want to quit smoking because I want to be around for my grandkids because I want to enjoy the retirement years with my wife because I, that intrinsic, we want that I. Why do you internally want to quit smoking? That is the biggest effect when we are trying to get somebody to stay on track and keep their eye on the goal is we really want that internal motivation. Why do you want to quit smoking? Because that's going to be key when it gets really hard and you're having a really difficult time because it's going to happen. Things are not always going to go as planned. There's going to be that day. It's going to throw a loop. You need to remember why. So we want to have, you know, we want to understand why we want to quit smoking and then have that plan in place. We talked about the dopamine, but let's talk about the stress piece. Stress is big when it comes with smoking. A lot of people are smoking because it helps reduce stress. You can't quit smoking and not have another plan in place. So what is your plan on stress? Is it maybe, maybe part of that is going to the gym. I'm going to work my stress out at the gym. Maybe I'm going to pick up a boxing class because I'm going to box. Maybe I'm going to focus on breathing exercises. There is the uh, physiological sigh. There is four, seven, eight box breathing. There's all these breathing techniques that you can do to help eliminate stress. I love the idea of fishing. Fishing is a great way to uh, eliminate stress. And we've talked about that a lot. Motorcycle rides, bike rides, walks, classic car rides. All of this are ways to manage that stress. So we really want to find a way on how we're going to manage that stress. And then we want to really think back about what we enjoy about smoking because we need to make sure we're replacing that. And keep in mind, a lot of times we are subconsciously smoking to stay awake. Maybe you're having, if you're working a night shift, maybe you're smoking at 1, 2, 3 a.m. to stay awake because you don't want the caffeine because you know the caffeine is going to mess with your sleep when you're trying to go to bed in the morning. So we really want to find, okay, if it's sleep and we know we are smoking more when we're tired, what is the plan? When we get tired, what are we going to do? Are we going to lean on caffeine? But that's going to affect our sleep and our healing process. So I would really advise against that. Are we going to maybe do an herbal tea. If you're like my husband and you like that burning sensation in your throat, herbal tea would be a great idea. It's not going to keep you up. It gives you that burning sensation and it can help you. I would do herbal tea, not black tea, not a caffeinated tea because you're going to have the same issues about the caffeine. We could do something like a fruit juice. So fruit juice is really good, especially for shift workers when you're tired. Instead of reaching for that caffeine, reach for a six, eight ounce glass 
the juice that will give you the sugar to keep you awake. We can deal with movement, just going stretching. If it's something that you realize, okay, I get tired. I like getting out and just having a moment. Maybe going outside, doing a quick walk, some stretches. That's a great way to keep you up. It's a great way to get outside. It's a great way to step away. So we want to think of things like that that are going to replace because we have to realize smoking is so much more than just the cigarette. There's, it has a much bigger impact. And I think this is where when I talk to smokers where they're failing is because they're not addressing these other ends. They're only addressing the nicotine end. Maybe they're doing a patch. Maybe they're doing a gum, but they're not addressing the areas of why you like smoking, what smoking means to you, how you're managing your stress and how you're managing that dopamine and what that intrinsic motivation is. If we put this all in place, you would have much greater success. But there's one other part I want to talk about on this. And I talk about it with a lot of other things and I call it the chaos plan. Because if there's one thing I can always count on is life throwing you a curveball. Somebody once told me life gets loud when you get busy. So when you're busy, when you're doing things, that's when life gets loud and it's throwing everything your way. And you're like, why now? Why are you tossing all this at me now? So we need that plan. If you fall off the bandwagon, if you have a bad day and you go and get another pack of cigarettes, what are you going to do after you have that cigarette? We have to get back on the horse. You know, I see this a lot of times with diets. We fall off a diet and we don't get back on. It's like, well, the day is screwed. So I'm going to screw over the rest of the day. I'm going to eat all kinds of garbage. I'm going to do all things I know I shouldn't be doing because I did one bad thing. Listen, if you fall off the wagon, if you fall off the horse, you have the opportunity to get right back on the horse. You don't have to let the whole carriage, the whole line roll over you too. You can simply get back up. So if you fail, if something happens and you fall back, what is your plan? Because I can tell you, if you have a plan in place, you're more likely to get back up and carry on instead of getting caught in that guilt cycle of, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. Why didn't I do this? And kicking yourself and spinning in this cycle of guilt. And we we just got to let it go. Have that plan when something happens. What is your option? Listen, if you're trying cold turkey and you realize cold turkey is not working and your backup plan is, hey, I'm going to go to the doctor and I'm going to get medication. Great. Have a backup plan. If you're trying the patch and the patch doesn't work, what is your plan? That's what I'm talking about. We want to have that plan. If something doesn't work, what is our backup? If you feel like you're ready to quit smoking and you think you need some further support, you could visit lauratimbra.com slash support and schedule a 40-minute call with me. We'll set up your whole plan of action so you know exactly what you're going to do to quit smoking. I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. I hope if you are trying to quit smoking, this has has helped you and I will talk to you all next week.